You're listening to Extra Innings with entrepreneur, author, and CEO, Jay Myers. Welcome to Extra Innings. I'm your host, Jay Myers. Extra Innings is a podcast designed to speak to thought leaders, entrepreneurs, business leaders all across the country. And this morning, I am really thrilled to be able to introduce to everybody a good uh, a good friend I've recently met, Tucker Stein, who is the head honcho, founder, CEO of Tucker Stein Brand Architects. Tucker, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. Oh, thanks for having me, Jay. Wouldn't miss it. Oh, this is great. Uh, Tucker, you know, we, uh, so for the audience purposes, so we kind of lay a little groundwork, I uh, connected with you, I guess it was last summer when I was uh, picked to uh, help out with a, uh, be a TEDx speaker down in uh, West Monroe, Louisiana, big thrill. And uh, you were a part, of course, of the lead and everything on the team that was evaluating speakers. And thank you again for uh, allowing me to be a part of such a special event. Absolutely. Um, but, but Tucker, you've got such an interesting background. TEDx and speakers is just a part of your story. And so I'm not going to butcher it by trying to even give any portion of it myself. So how about you tell us your story and your background and where you came from and how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. Um, thanks again for having me, Jay. Uh, a, a little background on me. Um, I'm as probably native uh, San Diego as they come. Been here uh, 40 plus years. Um, my career started um, when in college, I was trying to figure out why I was in business school at the same time my brain wanted to be more creative. So I spent the latter half of my uh, college career focusing on how to make business creative. Uh, and coming out of that, you know, naturally advertising uh, some of the marketing communications fields uh, spoke to me. And my first job out of college was sitting down with Jim Cook, the founder of Sam Adams Beer, and realizing that uh, small microbrews didn't have a chance against uh, the Coors and the, you know, and the Budweiser's of the world. Hence, uh, we started the craft brew movement. And that was one of the, you know, moments that I realized that um, stories have a power to create some incredible opportunities for businesses. Um, so I've, I stayed in that space, that advertising, um, you know, branding uh, on products uh, and services, gosh, for close to 20 years. Um, it was the space that I knew. It was the only space that I knew. And I knew I loved it for a lot of reasons. However, it was high stress, low reward on, on many fronts. And by the time I had hit 40, I was thinking, God, there's got to be something more than this. Um, and I had already got dabbled in some other things uh, because my interests were taking me elsewhere. And my mentor in the industry started TEDx San Diego. And it was uh, among kind of that new generation of where Ted was starting to license out things. He asked me part of the team and I said, what the hell? Let's try something new. I immediately fell in love with the idea of public speaking me not being at that time anything to do with public speaking that was not on my radar but i loved watching individuals get on the stage most for the first time and literally watching them light up talking about things that they loved um, and it was through that experience that i realized i loved way more than products and services i love people um, and <laughs> as a kid i always said i either wanted to be an architect or a psychiatrist and it wasn't until then that I realized I started loving helping people design amazing things with regards to their stories and their missions. So I guess as a child, I had this little premonition that I would get to somewhere sometime 
And that was kind of the birth of doing what I do today, um, which is focusing on really helping entrepreneurs, thought leaders turn their stories into more purposeful businesses. And um, never thought I could make a business out of it. Everyone always said, oh, you should be a consultant or oh, this or that, or, you know, you're not going to make money doing that or whatever it was. And I thought, well, I've always been told to follow my passion. So why am I denying myself the ability to do that? Uh, and a couple of things were serendipitous, uh, a couple of lucky things here and there, and a couple of people that took a chance. Uh, and I realized that this was something that I had a deep passion for. And especially during COVID, when people started finding more purposeful things in their lives, there seemed to be a, a, a resurgence, if not an emergence of more thought leaders, more entrepreneurs wanting to pursue better things, bigger things, more impactful things in life. Um, and that's kind of what brought me here today. I, uh, I've been married 22 years. Um, I did marry a Bostonian. So uh, she is a bit of a Red Sox Pats fan, which I don't hold that against her. Uh, I tend <laughs> to be more on the Padres Chargers side of things, but you know that's, that's the battle of the East Coast, West Coast. Uh, we have two amazing kids, uh, a 17-year-old son and a 14-year-old daughter who coincidentally um, were born on the same day, exactly three three years and one hour apart. So we, oh, wow. we are planners. We wanted a boy and a girl and we wanted them three years apart. Well, we were blessed with that literally to the day, um, three years apart. So we celebrate their uh, their birthdays on the same day. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and, and now I'm here today with you, Jay, sitting down talking about um, the fact that you can reinvent after the age of 40. Uh, and that's one of my big things is, is helping individuals who have been stuck, whether it's in corporate world or um, an unfulfilled world, so to speak. Uh, there's got to be something more and there things can happen after, after 40. So uh, that's, that's kind of me in a nutshell. Well, that's an amazing journey. So Tucker, a, a comment, but a question first. Yeah. So how long have you been on your own as, as Tucker Stein, brand architects, I mean, as an entity and what have you? Yeah, I, I, we're on year eight, I believe, is, is right Wonderful. around. Yeah. Um, uh, at the age of 40, I like to say, uh, I, I, I missed this. We'll get more to this, Jay. I know you'll, you'll, you'll pursue this a little bit more in our conversation. But at 40, instead of a midlife crisis, I had a midlife awakening. And at that midlife awakening, it was that I needed to be doing something different and I had to do it on my own. So that's about eight years in the making. Yeah, I picked up on that because I, I, for all the listeners out there, I didn't take this interview blithely, even though Tucker and I've kind of had a relationship and had some things in the past. So I did quite a bit of research and I know you've uh, been very thankful along the way in your journey for where you are today and that kind of getting through those first few years and, and, and having the awakening and, and being able to find, you know, what you really want to do. Uh, Tucker, uh, true confessions. Uh, one thing we have to make a quick comment about uh, your, your passion for the Red Sox and uh, for all the listeners. I never said that, Jay. I did not say that. I'm sorry I baited you, Tucker, (laughs) but in any event, uh, for all the listeners, all fun and everything, but uh, for listeners that have heard me in the past, I'm a crazy Yankee fan, So, but Tucker and I are having some fun arm wrestling before the interview started, but Tucker, the other uh, true confession uh, and, and disclosure on this is that I started my business at 39, so I'm a living, breathing example that you can you know, in the later stages of life, I mean, yeah. my wife even told me that, you know, at the time I'd gotten fired from this job and all this drama and everything that if you're going to start your business, you better do it now while our kids are young because, you know, and she didn't anticipate failure. She says, she simply said, get it, you know, get this out of your system. If you have to go back to corporate, yeah. you, you do. 
but I've never missed it. And I encourage you to never even blink and never think about it ever again, because it's, it's been the, uh, my vocation, my journey. I, I was, uh, meant to be an entrepreneur. I, I think about it every day is that, uh, this is what God put me on this earth to do. And so I believe the same for you. And, uh, I, I applaud you at eight years and, you know, you just keep going, man. Cause it, it it's going to get better. Yep. <laughs> you got it, man. So you built a business focus on brand strategy. And I'm intrigued with this because as an entrepreneur, you deal with some small business people and everything brand strategy, professional development. I know the people that I ran into, I, I was very active in the Inc 500 to Inc 5,000 community. Um, yep. Fortunate that my business, you know, had fast growth and, we had a, a chance to go to many of the conventions and conferences and everything. And I talked to a lot of people, Tucker, and I'm not sure that most of them really understood brand strategy and why a small business would even want to consider it. So however you want to answer the question, whether it's a large or small business, but brand strategy, you know, what, what, what are your comments about the most important component in building that strategy? Yeah. I think a uh, great question. I get it all the time. And, and, and the way I answer it is this, um, especially with uh, large businesses, at the end of the day, we are humans first. Um, and I've always been taught and, and, and believe that we buy on emotion and justify with logic. Um, and I think the single greatest mistake that any corporation can make, whether it's a solopreneur, small, mid-sized business or a large business, if they can't create any kind of human connection with what they do, they're not considered a, a, uh, um, a successful brand, in my opinion. And when I think about the word brand, at the end of the day, most people consider it to be like this visual expression of who they are. Uh, most importantly, they have to make a connection. So to me, the, the brand strategy is the set of things, the set of relationships, the set of communications that create connection with their customers. Um, that cannot be done uh, on product alone. It cannot be done on service alone. There has to be some sort of connection between the two. And I think where most companies fail at the branding part of it is they still focus too much on the product and not enough on the relationship part of business. Uh, going back to my comment that I said in, in, in business school for me, the biggest connection that I loved about it was I was taking something that was more business focused and applying it to the creative side of things. That's where brand comes together, where business and creativity can mix so that customers can create some sort of emotional connection as well as an impactful connection on, on who they're interacting with. Uh, so brand strategy, first and foremost, starts with recognizing their audience as human first and what story are they going to tell that's going to create and fulfill a gap between you know, a need and a solution. So if they can figure out what that emotional connection through storytelling looks like, their brand is already off to a great start. All of the other business components will fall from there. We often hear that, oh, we've got, a, we've got this incredible product, this, that, whatever it is. If they've started, you know, cart before the horse and they forget about how they're going to connect with their audience, who cares how amazing the product is? They still have to find that connection, which is why I always say brand first, product second. So uh, hopefully that answers that that concept of, of brand strategy from from a perspective. It's more than just that visual uh, identity that people attach themselves to. It's that emotional connection. That, that's fascinating. And for all the listeners out there, uh, Tucker, as I said, I did my research. Tucker didn't go to just any business school. He went to Stanford. 
<laughs> yeah, I, Stanford I, University. Okay, just yeah, for the record, did, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. I, I will let me preface with I did their executive program. Um, but that was one of the things that going back to, I know we'll get into some professional development, but one of the things that I needed for me to, to, to get to that, that midlife awakening was I needed to see what the rest of the world was doing. And that program sure. itself brought people from all over the world to talk about what does it mean to have brand strategy in global business. And that was even more solidification for me that storytelling is the most powerful form of brand, uh, you know, brand strategy we can have. Um, right. and there's nothing, there is nothing more that I can say other than leaders, C-level people, those that get it are the ones that are going to allow for incredible brands to grow. And because 50% of the world's population is now 25 and under, they rely on that storytelling. So successful sure. succession planning is going to have to rely on that unique approach to brand strategy and storytelling, or they're going to lose the connection with the largest uh, population of, of executive decision makers coming forward. Wow, that's amazing. So uh, also for, you know, uh, true confessions, here I am interviewing a Stanford graduate, and uh, I am a proud University of Memphis uh, business school graduate. And uh, yes, uh, outstanding student, 2.34 GPA, the C student that uh, <laughs> made his way through school. And, uh, just a number. Just a number anyway. But uh, so that's a really interesting, you know, concepts and everything. Tucker, let, let's talk a little bit because you mentioned it several times about professional development. Yeah. What have you learned over the years as it relates to professional development? And you have a number of cl clients. What most resonates with clients as you coach them? Because you yeah. obviously have to take a pretty deep dive into all those kind of uh, yeah. situations. I would say professional development, even though that term gets thrown around a lot, uh, almost to the point of saturation where it's taking the value out of it. But if someone said, why professional? We don't do it enough. Um, and, and I'm finding even raising two teenagers right now, my wife and I have discussed this, but traditional education has not changed in a century. Uh, we don't teach emotional intelligence. We don't teach anything around multiple intelligences. We don't teach emotional regulation. All of those things that make us successful humans in life, we're not teaching. So what ends up happening is um, those, and I will, I will be the first in true confessions, I didn't meet my emotional self until I was 40. Uh, I didn't, I was never taught. I was, I was in a home where um, you know, we didn't talk about things. It was more kind of, you know, under the rug types of things. Being emotional beings, we don't talk about how to regulate, how to, how to pass through failure, how to move through some of life's challenges. We don't teach it. It all becomes part of circumstantial um, what I call the either collateral beauty or collateral damage of the choices that we make. Um, so my big thing about professional development is because we don't invest in it as in youth, then we have to invest it later on in life, or we're going to find ourselves in a lot more trouble. Um, and I do find that the work that I do now, especially around deep diving into personal development and professional development and how to become a better speaker, I'm finding more and more there is so much unresolved frustration and emotional irregulation and whether you want to call it trauma this or that that people are struggling through and public speaking is a perfect example of how to make better communication and become better people 
Um, so I'm finding more and more that as they get into the speaking capacity and understanding the power of what personal branding looks like versus corporate branding, they're realizing that set of emotional experiences that they're having with the people they interact with have been stifled or, or, or whatever it is. And they're finding great relief and great excitement in the power of public speaking because we don't teach it enough. It's always been an elective. It's never been required of humans to learn how to express themselves. Um, so I think, you know, going back to my idea of being an architect or psychiatrist, there it is right there. It's architecting the ideas and the emotional experiences to make better connections with people. Um, so I, I would say that's probably the, the, the reason why I always say, uh, I, I tend to say that personal development is professional development. Anything that's investing in you, you become a better person, a better coworker, a better spouse, better father figure, whatever you are. It's personal development that allows you to become that better person. So anything to do to invest in yourself, it doesn't stop after our education. Whatever that education is, that is just the traditional component. You have to continuously invest in yourself or you're not going to be able to grow. Oh, that's outstanding. You know, Tucker, I'm I thinking as you're talking about investing in yourself and the emotions that public speaking brings out, you know, I'd done a, a fair amount of it prior to uh, being connected with your, uh, you and Clayton and the TEDx event in West Monroe, but practicing and rehearsing and working so hard this last summer to, to do that, that presentation, that speech, you know, it just, it really, and you remember, I mean, I had so much personal stuff that I laid out there <laughs> yeah. and it just brought it, you know, I mean, everything from obviously, uh, you know, from a, a theft in my business to the death of a family member, a close family member to, you know, employee crisis, all these different things. And, it, and it, I think it was good for me personally, and I'm going to applaud you and the TEDx folks and Clayton, everybody. Some of those stories were fairly old, but mm -hmm. the people in that audience, they were brand new. And I, I think that it was just, I had to remind myself of that. And uh, for, the, for the listeners out there doing the TEDx talk, you know, for somebody who had done a, a fair amount of public speaking was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yep. But I felt like that, and I'll plug it shamelessly, but uh, do the right thing, not the easy thing. I think it was maybe one of my best that I've ever done. I mean, I felt like I'd really laid it all out there and, yeah, I would say, Jay, from that perspective, I want to touch on that because um, it, it was more even apparent to me. I had the opportunity to work with the CEO of the World Food Bank, who is doing incredible things and in helping create zero hunger in, in Africa, particularly. He has said he spoke thousands of hours on the concept of creating zero hunger. He said those 18 minutes were the toughest 18 minutes he's ever had to speak on. And a lot of it is because the majority of public speaking is a reflection of something that we're taught and that we regurgitate, right? So it's more on the focus of business speak, which is there isn't a lot of human emotion attached to it. What yeah. is different about a TEDx talk or getting more into that personal side of things is you're getting into those emotions that most people don't deal with. Um, and like I said, emotional regulation. Um, the moment you give permission, the moment you tell your stories, you're giving permission for others to tell theirs. And that's where I think society is starting to shift and we're starting to get more conversation around mental health, more conversation, uh, especially coming out of the pandemic. We're starting to see that we're allowing ourselves to be vulnerable enough to for others to do the same. And I think for you, what's hard is most of public speaking stays in the head because we're just reciting what we know and what we know from a professional perspective. When it has to go from our head to our heart, 
that's the challenge. But the most rewarding of public speaking lies in moving it from the head to the heart. And that's what you were doing with, and that's what I coach constantly is, and it takes a lot more time. But that moment you get it in here, in the heart, that changes the trajectory of everything that you do. You start to look at business different. You start to look at relationships different. And you start to look at the way in which you connect with others very differently. I've heard a lot of people say the moment they've done a TEDx talk or, or they've been able to find power in storytelling, they've changed their outlook on everything. Uh, it's deepened their relationships with others on all fronts. Um, and that to me is, you can't get better branding than that. No, I mean, I, I applaud you and Clayton and, you know, I didn't uh, want to have this uh, self-promotion thing, but it, it meant that much to me. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to, to, you know, frankly, to deliver because I had, you know, practiced so much and uh, Tucker on a humorous uh, point there, I'm, I'm sitting and uh, doing this interview and I'm in a sunroom with my, uh, white Labrador who heard that speech about 150 times and frankly got to the point that his ears started spinning around. That's when I knew I was ready to go on stage, uh, uh, you know, after that, cause boy, but you guys encouraged us to do that. And I think, you know, for the listeners out there, when, when you want to do anything well, and this is very plain vanilla comment, but you know, you, you gotta, you gotta practice, you gotta rehearse, you gotta want it bad enough to, to perfect it. And I think you guys did a great job with that. Uh, my first experience with uh, Ted and, and TEDx and everything, but it was just, I, I just thought it was, I, I consider it one of my professional highlights of my career and everything. And, you know, I'm kind of semi-retired now, but boy, that was sure a lot of fun, but a lot, a lot of work. So any of the listeners out there that are considering being a TEDx speaker, uh, just be prepared to do a heck of a lot of work and, and you know, bring your A game because you're going to need it. But um, Tucker, so let's talk a little bit uh, and kind of around the horn on this interview. Were there any significant events in your personal or professional life that changed the way you think about branding and maybe even professional development as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, I, and I think, you know, I, I've, I've learned to become an open book over time because I think that in itself is, is personal and professional development that a lot of people um, deny themselves of. And it, it got to a head for me. And I, I, I told you about my, my marketing advertising career. I was in a position where for the same thing uh, for 20 years, it's all I knew. And uh, I knew I wasn't fulfilled. I knew I wasn't getting anywhere. I was starting to get a salary cap. I was, you know, I wasn't seeing any ownership opportunities. I was just, I was growing, but the business wasn't. So I was, I was really struggling. Um, I also grew up with tremendous anxiety. Um, and back in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, that went undiagnosed because we weren't really talking about that. Um, it was, oh, you worry too much, or, you know, stop worrying so much, or, you know, you know, you're just anxious, just relax. You know, it's, it's those things. And for me, I didn't realize until I was, you know, older in life that I had a chemical imbalance specifically that was driving a lot of this anxiety. Um, and uh, so for me, there was this immense sense of failure, this immense sense of, I have no place else to go. This is all I know. How could I reinvent myself at 40? So it forced me into some dark holes. Um, I was drinking way too much. I was isolating way too much uh, to the point where I was on the brink of losing it all. And that was the moment where I thought, hmm, something's not right here. And something's got to change. Something's got to give. Um, and, I, and I remember the moment where I literally told myself, um, the only thing that I have to change is everything. And I literally had to go through and audit my life of the things that needed to change. Lifestyle, profession, relationships, all of that. And that was a, that was a tough thing for me. Uh, so when you talk about brand, for me, 
I had no personal brand. I was completely defined and seen by the clients that I worked with, the businesses that I was in, and I didn't have the connection of myself to a bigger purpose or mission. And I, I just, I lost it. So having basically committed myself to changing everything, um, it was the first time in my life when pursuing my passion gave me passion. At the same time, it also gave me my biggest failures. Uh, and I think for me, the swallowing of the failure and realizing those were steps to move on versus steps to you know fall back on, that was something I was never taught. Um, I learned on later in life that um, I had a father who was very successful, um, but I only knew him to be successful. And it wasn't until that I had my, my awakening, so to speak, that he told me about his failures. We never talked about failure. I never was never taught how to move through failure. So I internalized a lot of my life. And the moment that my brand became about expressing truth and expressing authenticity and expressing failure in order to create success for others, that was a huge breakthrough for me. Um, and I don't think enough you know, thought leaders and public fig figures and leaders do enough of that because we've created a society where it's all about perception of success and we don't accept failure as an option. So I think that for me was kind of the, the aha moment uh, that you know my darkest moment became literally that light to give me my brightest. And it was something that um, I never expected. So when you talked about reinventing at 39, me reinventing at 40, you know, we're in our 20s and 30s, we don't necessarily have the emotional maturity yet to even no, understand no. that. Right. Um, there's a reason why we have those moments and we call them the midlife crisis, uh, which I'm talking about rebranding midlife awakening. There's a reason for that because our careers haven't kept up with our emotional maturity. And the moment that they re-intersect and it's that aha moment, it's like, okay, now I can accelerate the second half of my life and doing something that I want to do. And we don't teach that. Um, and that's one of the things that I've found through public speaking and storytelling and personal branding is that becomes incredible clarity, confidence, and the ability to create community unlike anything else. Those are my three C's. And without that, we stumble and we continue to stumble until later on in life. Uh, and then we look back and be like, oh, I just, I, I never felt really good about that. So I want to be able to look back and say that, that my greatest failure ended up becoming literally that moment where my greatest successes happen. And rarely do people see that as an opportunity. Oh, that's amazing. I mean, uh, and the influence your father had, you know, Tucker, I don't think I've ever done this on one of these interviews, but, you know, guys, you're, you're raised, to, you know, your father, you looked up to him, right? Mm -hmm. And my father was in public service, Better Business Bureau. In fact, I think I mentioned, I did mention it in my TEDx speech and everything, dealing honesty, integrity, and ethics. But I remember having a real hard, tough start in my uh, business. I did technology, video conferencing. I said, did that, sold the equipment, whatever. But we had a tough couple of years. And it was about the second year, um, I was just really doubting myself. I was like, what have I done? I've just got debt. I got this and that. And it just, of course, life kind of happens this way. And, and my father, you know, had some health problems that got more serious and he was in the hospital. He, he was literally on his deathbed. And I was questioning myself and going in there overwrought with emotions and all these things about him primarily. But then I, you know, just started talking about it. He asked me how my business was doing and everything. And I, and I just remember looking at him, I said, God, dad, did I make a, 
what, what did I do here? I mean, did I make a, a, a mistake? I mean, what, what is this? And I'll never forget as long as I live, Tucker, he turned around to me. He said, you were born to do this. He said, you keep going. You know, it's, it's those raw emotions of a moment. And I remember leaving the hospital. He died a couple of days later, but I remember there is nothing that's going to stop me now. And, you know, it sounds like your, your dad, once he disclosed that, Hey, everything wasn't successful. I had yeah. my stumbles too. That's amazing, man. The parallels of uh, those kind of things going on. And I, I thank you for sharing that. Oh, and thank you for sharing yours. Cause I, the first time I heard that, I'm like, Oh, it's, it's, it's a different set of circumstances, but the message is the same. Absolutely. So Tucker, you know, I know uh, the audience has now kind of got it uh, drilled in by me mentioning it several times about that you train and develop speakers. So uh, as part of what you do. So I don't want everybody to think that's the only thing he does. You know, he works for TEDx. I mean, he's got, you do a lot of things, obviously, brand and entrepreneurs and business leaders and things, but putting on your TEDx or your speaker, you know, evaluation uh, hat and everything, what, what do you guys look for and emphasize when you're trying to assemble, you know, a, a group and a lineup of speakers for an event, whether it be TEDx or anybody else that you're doing it for? Yeah, I think uh, from a speaker perspective, um, and even going back to a little bit around that kind of, you know, asking yourself the question, can you take something that you know from your head and put it into your heart? And that requires courage, it requires vulnerability, it requires the power of being able to tell a really unique story. And I tend to only work with people that can, that can be in that space. Um, if they struggle with vulnerability, fine, let's start there. If they struggle with storytelling, okay, let's start there. Um, but it starts with belief. They have to be completely 100% in alignment and belief in what they're saying. Um, I've, I, I have worked with individuals that um, we've had to have some tough conversations because they're told that they should speak on this. Uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, well, I've, I've been told that I'm really good at this, so I, I, sh I should speak on this. Uh, I even, and this is case in point, I had a gentleman who was wrestling with two ideas. Actually, it was more like three. And uh, he kept coming back to this one idea. And I literally looked at him and I said, at what point are you going to let your wife's idea go away and let your idea take the lead? <laughs> and he looked at me and said, how did you know? And I said, I could tell you didn't have 100% belief in it. I could tell it wasn't in your heart. And I could tell this was something that didn't feel in alignment with who you are as an individual. We threw that away. Had to have a tough conversation with his wife, but realizing there has to be something so powerful to believe in in order to be a speaker. I don't want to hear that. Well, I just want to be a speaker because I want to be seen. I mean, that just doesn't work. Those kinds of speakers, you know, fall on their face. They're, they got to do it for the right reasons, and they want to be able to 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 ultimately use the power of story to create impact, regardless of the topic. You don't have to vet out skeletons in the closet and be complete. No, it just has to be enough of a human emotional connection in order for you to create believability. Um, and that's where it starts. Um, and that's why I think I, I fell in love with stages like TEDx um, because it gives people that platform to do that. Um, and it's changed the conversation of how we interact as humans. Uh, not enough public speaking platforms do that. But I'm starting to see, and, and when I coach with this idea of never lead with, hi, my name is, and you know, X, Y, Z, start in with the story. And you know this, Jay, we talked about this, is if you don't catch people and get them within that first 30 seconds, they're not going to believe you to be authentic. Um, and that's where we start. We start with what we know and what we love and what we have a passion for before anything else. 
And that to me seems to be the recipe for success at that point. Oh, that's great. And you probably just answered the other uh, question I was asked, you know, going to ask about, you know, recommendations for people, you know, in terms of, you know, that want to speak and everything. And I think you, you just answered that is, you know, speaking advice for professionals, storyteller. You know, I do that with uh, Tucker. You may know that I've written uh, three books and they yeah. all are about storytelling. You yeah. know, I, I don't know how to do all this. You know, I didn't, uh, I don't have a master's MBA in anything and have all the charts and the graphs and the statistics. I just tell stories. And I think stories, I've gotten really some great feedback from readers that just like the stories that end up being instructive, hopefully a little bit of inspiration, so on and so forth. You know, and, and I do think that's when I'm, you know, in the audience, forget being a speaker. When I'm in the audience, that's the people that tell stories. I, I tend to really tune in and listen. And I yeah. think that's, that's great. I mean, I, I think that makes a lot of, a lot of sense here. So, um, Tucker, personal thing. So who, uh, you may have already answered this, but, you know, along the way, as we kind of wrap up this, I've got a couple other yeah. questions here for you. Yeah. Your, your journey of your career, maybe twofold. Who, who helped you along the way and who were the naysayers that you're kind of yeah. like maybe today saying, ah, you know, hey, man, yeah. I showed them. Or, but who, who are some people that you might want to mention, you know, motivate you maybe, maybe yeah. one way or the other, you know? Well, yeah, I would say on, on a positive, well, I should say it, and it's not positive or negative, but a negative experience turned into a positive. The first one I would say would be Jack, um, Jack Abbott, who, who saw something in me um, that I didn't. And he was the one that started TEDx San Diego. Um, he saw a passion for, for, for what I love to do. And he handpicked me out of what I was doing and said, I think you'd be good for this. Um, something that I had never thought about before. Had I not got, gotten that experience with him and ended up working with him for many years, uh, I don't know that I'd be where I am today. Um, he ended up assembling you know, a group of you know, 50 people or so. Literally, our group is called Made for Joy. And it was trying to find and create more joy out of the experiences in life. He allowed me to kind of tap into that emotional side of business that I didn't even know existed. So I, I credit uh, definitely Jack to that. On the other side, I had a client, and I'm going to keep her nameless for that reason. Who knows if she'll ever come across it. But when she threw me under the bus uh, in front of my peers, uh, in front of my superiors, the owners of the company, including her own team, and I realized at that moment that I was not in the, in the right space uh, for me to excel. Uh, that moment of complete failure, even though my own integrity was challenged and I knew it was not something that I had done, that moment when she, what she doesn't know and she'll probably never know is that was the, the day that I said, I'm done. This isn't going to work anymore. I got to do something different. So sometimes a negative experience or, or a naysayer um, is the perfect catalyst for change. Yeah, sure. Um, so I always say, instead of avoiding the naysayers, listen to what they're saying and use that as fuel for your fire. Because uh, what she doesn't know is that ended up becoming my fuel. Um, so I have Jack to thank and her to thank for very different reasons, but you know, it was a culmination of what it is today. That's great. Yeah. I know my motivation was pretty simple. I got fired. So I, yeah. I thought, well, if I can create a job, <laughs> I, I resigned before I even got to that point. Cause I was like, I'm out of here. I'm not taking this. This isn't, my this wife will tell you to this day, Tucker, if I had resigned, I probably wouldn't have started my own business, but the humiliation of getting fired. And by the way, on my 39th birthday, kind of like, okay. Oh. But, but that was me. So um, your biggest focus now, tell us what uh, Tucker Stein is going to be doing, brand architecture, business, your company going forward. You know, anything, uh, any uh, late breaking news you want to uh, release here this morning? Uh, you can tell our listeners about what's going on. 
Yeah, I, 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 I hope listeners got an opportunity to understand where, where my, my approach is and how I, I look at things. But uh, my big thing right now is helping uh, entrepreneurs um, and small businesses at this point um, really look to the power of story to create a better business plan. Um, thought leaders, um, you know, how do we grow something through the power of voice and public speaking and communicating in ways that maybe we're not used to and, and haven't before. So it's um, helping leaders understand the power of what that means. Um, it's through one-on-one, -on -one, it's through groups, whatever that might look like. Um, but I'm, I'm the anti-transaction guy and I'm the relationship guy. So um, most of the clients that I work with, I've been working with for years, um, even outside of the scope of our work, still connected that sort of thing. Um, that's what drives me every day. And if we can actually use storytelling as a means of creating more impactful, purposeful global business, sign me up. Uh, that's something that I never thought I could build a business on. And those are the people I love working with, those that, that see the power in that, those that see that want to create change um, beyond just sales and marketing and dollars and cents and all that kind of stuff. Uh, those are the kinds of people that I love working with. That, that is great. So last, uh, well, not even a question, but just kind of, you know, comment or, or request, uh, you know, Tucker, if you could leave us with a piece of advice, maybe, uh, I don't know, but, you know, we have something in here about your former or your early self. How about just, you know, advice to young entrepreneurs, any you know, small business owners out there, what, you know, what would be your advice for people, you know, maybe plotting their career or going forward with their business? Great question. And I do like phrasing it. If you could go back to your younger self, I, I do like that component because okay. it's, just as, it's just as apropos to any any business leader or entrepreneur today. Uh, it's it's twofold. The first is um, failure is an option. Um, we're taught that failure isn't, but I firm believe that failure is an option, and it should happen. Um, and I do believe the second half of that, and, and I use this on a lot, is uh, your comeback is your greatest give back. Um, and if I had known that years and years ago, I probably would be in a different position. However, I think the pain, I think the frustration, I think the anxiety, I think all of those things that were driving a lack of fulfillment, because at the end of the day, they created a, a path to fulfillment. So uh, those are my two pieces that I, I will often refer to. Uh, and when I communicate with others, uh, that's what I would tell my younger self. Your comeback is your greatest give back. That's that's fabulous. Tucker Stein, I sure appreciate uh, having you on the show this morning. This has been terrific. I mean, I, I had high expectations and you exceeded them, man. You're just really, you're a rock star, man. I really appreciate it. And thank you for being on the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Jay. You bet. To learn more about Jay Myers or his podcast guests, visit www.jmyersceo.com.